welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Menifee. Each week, we gather to better understand the teachings of the Bible and how to live them out in our daily lives. We hope and pray that you're encouraged by this week's message. Well, I'm humbled to be here with you and, and standing down here instead of up there today. You know, it's, it's different. Um, but, uh, and, you know, just thinking about this, I'm 36 years old. Uh, just thinking about my own life. And I've counted how many generations going back, using 36, my own age, about 2,000 years. So it's been 55 generations that this word has been passed down, people being 36 years old, like me. Um, I just thought that was amazing. Um, If you use biblical number of 40, it's 50. And uh, so just completely humbled today to be here with you to present God's word out of the book of James And looking at it and seeing that in God's Word, uh, God's Word is true, God's Word is powerful, it's living and active, and He's faithful to to give us His Word. He's faithful to complete the good work He's begun in us. And when I look at this whole scenario and thinking about coming and presenting before you today, I think the reason why we got these is because of, of doers, The reason why we have the Word today is because the Holy Spirit worked through doers, and not hearers only of the Word, but God worked through doers of the Word, and God was able to preserve His Word through faithful ministers, faithful everyday Christians, believers, who adhered to His Word and would not compromise, but would persevere. And so, uh, just humbled. And with that being said, I'd like to pray again. Lord God, uh, just thank You, Lord. Lord, I ask... Lord, remove anything of me, remove anything of me, God, that, that is not of you this morning. I pray, God, that it would just be your word coming forth, that your word would be heard. Lord, rebuke any words that are not of you, any deception, any lies. We ask, God, that your spirit would come and reveal to us the implanted word today, that you would feed us and that we would be nourished, that we would be corrected to walk in righteousness and in love. Lord, if there's anything in me right now, Lord, I confess my sins, my inadequacy, and just, Lord, pray to be a faithful minister of your word today. I ask God, fill me with your spirit, fill us here with your spirit to know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this passage, uh, we're going to be talking a lot about sanctification today, Uh, but first, when we look at this, we're going to go back to verse 19, which tells us, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. So this is wonderful. God has placed a framework of what topics will be addressed in the next few verses following that. The order is a little different, but it's the same topics. So anger, we heard about anger last week. That's in verses 20 through 21. Eric taught about that. Today, we're going we're gonna to go over hearing, hearing the word. This is in verses 22 through 25. Next week is going to be speaking, verse 26. And, uh, and then there's a summary in, in verse 27. So what we're going to do today is we're going to zoom in, and we're going to look at what it really means to receive the implanted word, to, to be really hearing God's word. Uh, but let's, let's read the passage again just to be reminded of what he's saying. 
Verse 22, it says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Okay, so there's three points to our sermon today. The first point in this section here is hearers only. Three aspects to that, self-deceived, they move away from the word, and they are forgetful Christians. The second point is doers of the word. And there's four aspects to that. They look at the word, they persevere in the word, they act on the word, and they're blessed. And then our third point we're going to ask ourselves today is, who am I? Okay, you guys ready? Here we go. Verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Let's zoom in on this word, but. The word there is a conjunction from the previous verse, verse 21, which says, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. We get this word, but. This is a qualifier. So James is zooming in to give us more detail on what it means to, to receive the implanted word, as I said. This is important for us to learn today. John, or James, excuse me, James wants to make sure that we do not miss this. Why? Because of the magnitude of the consequences, and he lays them out there. Salvation of the soul, salvation of the believer, loss of eternal rewards, of not truly receiving the word of God, which is so powerful to save our souls. So let's look at it. Keep on looking at your word there. It says be. This word be is a command to be a type of person. We are commanded here to actively, presently be acting in accordance with the word, namely with what the Bible says. This means right now bringing our lives into agreement with the commandments of God. And the tense of this word is present. It's not past or, or future. It's not some future uh, day. It, what it's talking about is right now, be this type of person because we don't know what tomorrow will bring. Today is the day of salvation. James is concerned for the church or for these types of people. There's the, the good aspect, the good Christian, and then there is the bad Christian. Christians, but there's a difference here, and he's going to draw this out for us. So our first point is what we come to, not hearers only deceiving yourselves. So this is the bad. This is somebody that is hearing the word, but they're only hearing, and they're, they're deceiving themselves. Paul echoes this in Romans 2, verse 13. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. Just to clarify, hearing the word is good. It's good to hear the word. Faith comes by hearing, as in Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. So hearing is good. And also in Deuteronomy, in 6 through 7, or 6, 6 through 7, 
It says this, these words which I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. So this is another example of hearing, speaking, and even teaching the word, which is good. And we need to do this. However, and this is the qualifier that James is getting to, in all of this, the auditory, the studying, the understanding, there is a type of hearing that is not good. And this is what James is talking about. I think of it like a coin. You have a freshly minted coin. It's clean. It's bright. It's shiny. And stamped on one side of the coin, it says, hearing the word. And then on the other side of the coin, it says, doing the word. So this is the good Christian. This is a useful coin. This is a useful Christian. The bad coin is effaced, dirty, damaged, scratched over, corroded, and unrecognizable. This coin represents the hearer's only Christian. This coin has only one side to it, and so in all practicality, is non-existent and good for nothing. That's pretty harsh, I know. But it's what the Bible says. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 5.13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Wow. This is a warning for us today. Welcome to church. But this is good. We need to hear this. James does not want our hearing of the word of God to be self-deceived. So let's zoom in here on this deceiving yourselves section of Scripture. And I'm going to read a quote from a commentator, Douglas J. Moo. He said, because I think he said this so well, people who merely listen to God's word are on dangerous ground and are deceiving themselves. To be deceived is clear in the context here. It is to be blinded to the reality of one's true religious state. People can think they are right with God when they really are not. So it is for those people who hear the word, such as regular church attenders, pastors, seminary students, and seminary professors, but do not do it. They are mistaken in thinking they are truly right with God, for God's word cannot be divided into parts. If one wants to benefit from its saving power, meaning the gospel and justification by faith alone, One must also embrace its guide for life, meaning Christian living sanctification. James gives us an analogy to help us understand this. And so let's look here at verse 23 and 24. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Let's look again here for this phrase, for anyone. So that's you, me, anyone. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and he is not, excuse me, a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who, is, who looks intently at his natural face. The word is there is describing a type of person again. So we're getting at people. We're going right to the heart of someone's spirit, their soul, their whole being. Moreover, the sense in the Greek is that this 
is a present statement of fact. James is simply telling us like it is. So this person that is looking in the mirror and they're forgetting and they're self-deceived, he's saying this is, this is real. This is not a hypothetical. He's giving the analogy to help us understand what's happening in reality right now. Right now in this room, this is happening. Isn't that humbling? I think it's humbling. I think it's sobering too. Let's look again. It says, He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. This word looks in the Greek means to presently and actively be observing, beholding, and considering. So the picture is this person is observing, upholding, you know, they're, they're looking at their own face. They're seeing themselves in this, in this mirror. Well, we can do this. We can relate to this, right? We see ourselves in the mirror all the time. You know, we wake up in the morning and, and check the hair, get the hair done, check the teeth, brush your teeth, clothes, ladies have makeup. And a lot of times there's that, uh, there's that vanity magnifying mirror. You guys know what I'm talking about? But it's like that circle thing with the like, blazing like, headlights, and it zooms in. And it's like every single pore and pimple, everything, like you can see it all. It's incredible. <laughs> so we look at ourselves. We know what this is like. But not only with mirrors in our reflection, we, we have cell phones, okay? So we do selfies, like just, you know, we do them. Um, or pictures, you know, with family and friends. And what do you do when you're doing a selfie or, you know, getting the phone out and taking pictures? You know, first you find the right angle, you know, not too low. Don't want it like that one. Oh, let's get it up higher. And then, you know, uh, you know, you take one. Oh, the hair's not right. Take another one. No, that's not right, doing right. Oh, then boom. Oh, that's the one. And then what do you do? Post. <laughs> so we totally understand this, what it means to be looking at ourselves, to be observing ourselves, to be thinking about what's going on. What does all this looking do? It informs us of our natural state. It's pretty obvious, right? Whether we look good or bad. Namely, our identity. But remember here in this passage, James is giving us a picture about the natural so that we can better understand the supernatural, the spiritual. So there's a deeper spiritual truth here. The person that is looking at the Word of God, they're looking at a mirror. They're beholding themselves. When they consider the Word of God, when they're thinking about the Word of God, God's Word is doing something in return. It's that mirror reflecting back at them what's going on with inside of their life and the truth about God, the truth about our world. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13 says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of the soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart. When you come to God's word, his word is alive and it reveals things to us. Proverbs 27, 19 says, as in water face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. 
What is God's word revealing about your heart today? What does his word reflect about your current spiritual state? How your soul is, your mind, will, and emotion. What are you thinking about? What do you see when you look at God's word and you think about yourself? Are there wrinkles of compromise? Are there stains of impurity? Are there spots of apathy? If you see these things, get clean. Get right with God. Well, how do we do that? Well, luckily, James had already told us in verse 21, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. That's why he's zooming in here to, better, to help us better understand what's going on. So let's, let's go ahead and look at verse 24 here. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. So let's go ahead and dive in here. And he goes away. So this believer is looking at the, the Word. They're looking at Scripture, sees the reflection of how they are doing. But then, and this is the phraseology in the Greek, actively, purposefully move away from looking at Scripture. Why? John 3.20, Jesus says, For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his evil deeds should be exposed. It's a spiritual battle, guys. So that's why James is so intense. <laughs> that's why he's so intense, because it's a real battle, and it's important for us to hear. Because look what happens to the hearer. Let's continue on. It says, at once or immediately forgets what he was like. So the key failure of the hearer only is that he forgets but what does he forget? He forgets what he was like. He has looked into Scripture, saw the truth about himself and about his current spiritual status, reflected back, but now he's completely forgotten. So this is you and I, when we are hearers only and we're not doers of the Word. It's like we're looking at the mirror of Scripture and see the sin issue in our heart, in our soul, and it looks like this massive boil on our face, this hideous staph infection just popping out right between our eyes, massive, red, swollen, oozing pus. And then we look away and completely forget it's there. Is it going to go away on its own? No. Is it going to get worse? Probably, yeah. <laughs> It needs to be dealt with. And not only on the, in the context of a sin issue, when we look away as, as the, being a hearer only and not a doer, we forget our identity in Christ. We forget the promises of God. We forget the warnings of God. We forget we are in a spiritual war, and we forget how to fight. 2 Corinthians 10 
3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obediency of Christ. James is warning the church. He's warning us today. Do not be a hearer only. Be a doer. If you are a hearer only, you're a target spiritually and self-deceived. This is a dangerous road to walk, especially for the more imaginative and the more theologically minded. We can know the theology of forgiveness, but do we forgive? We can know the theology of spiritual gifts, but do we practice them? We can know the theology of giving, but do we give? We can know the theology of agape love, but do we sacrificially love as Christ has loved us? If we are not practicing the commandments of Christ, then we have forgotten who we are and who God is. Douglas J. Moon said, God is constantly warning his people in the Old Testament and in the New Testament not to forget his mighty acts, the acts that he did on their behalf, but to remember his mercies and his law, such as Exodus 13.3, and in the New Testament we are told the same. For instance, in the book of 2 Peter verse, uh, chapter 1, 12 through 13, to remember God, his acts, his teaching, is to contemplate them in such a way that they make lasting impressions on our heart, on our mind. The person who forgets what he has seen in God's word is one who reads or listens superficially, not imprinting the message on one's soul. Have you forgotten who you are in Christ? Have you forgotten that you are in a spiritual fight? Have you forgotten you are created in the image of God for His purposes? Have you forgotten that God loves you and has given Himself for you? Have you forgotten that God is the ultimate source of peace and joy and love? If you have, as I was just saying those things, and something's, a flag's going up, something's going up. If you have, don't harden your heart to that. That's the Holy Spirit. Confess your sins to Him. Soften your heart to Him. Come to Him and be strengthened by Him and be a doer of the Word. This brings us to our second point. Verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So let's look at this phrase, but the one who looks. This individual is continually, actively looking, viewing, reading, and observing the word. But it's not just looking at the word. The word looks here is different from the word looks in verses 23 and 24. It's more than just observing or considering. 
This word in the Greek has a picture that goes along with it. It means to be actively stooping down to look at, or literally to bend over, head forward, lean in, and peer within. Have you ever had a, a drawer in your house that got stuck? Growing up, we had a drawer in the kitchen we called the junk drawer, and it just had random stuff in it. You know, it had like screwdrivers and, and you know, rulers and tape and notepads and screws and all kinds of random things inside of it. Maybe you guys have a drawer like that in your house. So every now and then, I go to open the drawer, and I go to get something out, and lo and behold, it's stuffed to the max. I can't get it out. Something's jammed inside. So I pull a couple times, pull harder and harder. You know, it's knocking around. I can't get it open. So what I do is I kind of pull it, you know, get a little bit of a, of a space, just a little slit, look down inside, and then peer within, and then see, oh, you know, it's that hammer that got wedged in there that I knew was too big. And uh, so I got to get my finger in there, kind of wiggle the drawer around a little bit, hope it doesn't fall out, and then peer within and then fix the problem. So that's the kind of looking that that James is talking about, that the doer is doing when he's looking at the Word of God. He's digging. The doer is digging into the Word. This type of digging into the Word transforms a person's mind. In Romans 12, 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you ever feel distracted? I know I do, especially with uh, cell phones and media and everything, social media and all of that. It's super distracting. What are you looking at? What are you digging into? Dig into the Word. Be transformed by the Word of God. Let Him guide you and reveal His will and His love, His mercy, His grace, His truth, His power to you. But, Let's keep on going. So this person is digging into the Word, but specifically, it's describing now into the perfect law, the law of liberty. So first, James told us in verse 22 and 23 to be a doer of the Word and not hearers only. Now James changes the word he uses to refer to Scripture. Instead of referring to Scripture as the Word, he refers to Scripture as the law. And not just the law, he describes the law as the perfect law, the law of liberty. So he's uniting the two here. He's uniting the word and the law, it's all scripture. But he's also giving credence to the law. But a believer may ask, I thought the law was over. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these my commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. When James refers to the perfect law, he's giving a sense that this law is perfect. 
perfect in Jesus, perfect because of Jesus. Jesus has fulfilled the law, as He said, He's come to fulfill the law. So when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we're looking unto Him, the perfecter of our faith. We surrender our lives to Him into accordance with what He says in Scripture. We live as Jesus lived. What did, how did Jesus live? He lived in accordance to the law. But Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment according to the law? And so he answers that. We need to hear this today. Matthew 22, 36 through 40, said Jesus, or, or the question is, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and it's also included in others, all your strength. This is the first, first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Wow. This is how Jesus lived. Jesus lived a life of love, sacrificial love, empowered, Holy Spirit-empowered love. It's impossible for us to live out these commandments on our own. That's why Paul says here in Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. This is the difference between the Old and New Testaments. I'm going to read another passage here, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We cannot live out the law on our own, but the born-again Christian is not alone. Jesus is with you. The Holy Spirit has taken up residence within sight of you. You have power to walk in the newness of life by the power of the resurrection of Jesus. This is why God is so wonderful and so good, and we celebrate Him today. It's wonderful. So knowing Jesus has done all of this, He said in John 14, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Again, Spirit of God. So now we know why James calls the law perfect and the law of liberty. In James 2.12, it's also referred to, the law of liberty. It's this, I really dug into this. You know, I was just thinking, what is this law of liberty? It's a fascinating study, studying about different terminology for law in the New Testament. There's the law of liberty. There's the law of Christ. There's the law of the spirit of life. There's all of these terminologies, and all of them have different nuances in understanding the gospel and what it means to live out a Christian life. And so as he's talking here about the law of liberty, 
Jesus spoke about the liberty that there is in Him, that we're freed in Him by His power. In John 8, 31, 32, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in Him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall, shall set you free. And then further down, He said, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. Freedom. Freedom. Freedom to live a law. Yes, a good and righteous life, a holy life that we are not able to live out on our own, but by the Spirit, tapping into what God has done, surrendering our lives to Him, He enables that. Paul picks up on this on Roman, in Romans chapter 8. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Walking in according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So the perfect law of liberty is in effect for Christians right now. Did you know that? Jesus calls those who love Him to live out this law by the power of the Spirit, to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Theologians return to this living out as sanctification. Which is why the next part of the passage talks about perseverance. So go ahead and look there. It says, speaking of the doer, uh, perseveres. This word perseveres means to stay near, remain, abide, to continue in, or survive through difficulty. The one who looks and digs into Scripture, remember, this Christian is digging now, digging into Scripture, into the law of liberty. What is that? That is the sanctifying power of the Spirit working in their life. So they're digging into what it means to live a Christian life, this type of law, to walk in accordance with God to abstain what is evil, and to embrace righteousness. So the Christian that does that is persevering. They're holding on. This is a doer of the word. This is in contrast to the hearer only. Whom, what did the hearer only do? They moved away from the word. They were observing. They were looking. They were considering the word, but they moved away. It's tragic. So for the faithful, the one who's looking into that law of liberty, thinking about their own life and how they're walking with God and persevering in it, he says he will be blessed in his doing. So in the Greek, this phrase is a factual statement about the future. We may also infer that there is a present blessing by following God, having peace with God and joy that naturally flows when walking in obedience and following God and trusting Him, surrendering your life to Him. But the sense of this blessing is a future blessing, an eternal blessing, an eternal reward. Sometimes we have to sacrifice and persevere for things that we believe in. Amen? In the Western church, Right now, we, we don't generally have to lose a whole lot for believing this. In other countries, they don't have that kind of freedom. 
So this promise of blessing, they might not sense any current blessing as far as worldly standards. They would be blessed in their spirit. But if they're thrown into prison, like many are in, in, in other countries right now, taken out of their own churches and arrested, this hope of this future blessing is so wonderful because they know I might lose everything in this world, but I have everything in Christ. Hebrews 11 says in verse 6, For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Jesus said in Luke eleven twenty eight, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. This is a wonderful encouragement. So we've, we've broken down a bit here of what it is to be a hearer only and what it is to be a doer of the word. But what happens to the hearers only? What happens to the self-deceived? This is a wonderful and very hard question to look at. Jesus tells us in Matthew 7, verse 21 through 24, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And cast out demons in your name and done wonders in your name. And Jesus says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, and does them, I will liken him, a wise man, who built his house on the rock. This is why James is writing this passage in the Scripture today. It's such, such a warning for the Christian here. Are you self-deceived? Are you living your life in accordance with God's will? When you look at Scripture, do you see Jesus in your life? Do you see His love manifesting in your family? Or do you see dirt, sin, and selfishness? Our third point today is the question, who are you? Are you a hearer only, or are you a doer of the word? Do you feel dazed and forgetful? Has some spot of sin hindered you in your perception of the truth? There's hope for you. David prayed as in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Pray this prayer today. Sometimes we don't know how far we have drifted. Ask the Lord to reveal it to you. Pray and seek Him with all your heart. He will renew you and restore you. Do you feel bondage today? Bondage to sin. Jesus offers you liberty. 
I was addressing Christians mostly today. But for a person that might be visiting that perhaps doesn't identify as a Christian and has heard this message, I would say that it's evident from Scripture, from this passage, that the Christian faith is about true heart change. It's not about fulfilling a checklist of do's and don'ts. It is, however, about being a new kind of person, a person that is empowered by the Holy Spirit to live out a real meaningful life in relationship with a loving God who guides you and leads you away from wickedness and into joy, into righteousness, and has reward waiting for you. This can only happen first by acknowledging your sins before God, that you need Jesus Christ to save you and put your trust and faith in Him and serve Him the rest of your life. A good message, a good hope He offers. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Let's pray. Lord God, Lord, thank You for Your Word. Thank You, God, for Your Word which reveals Your truth which reflects back to us who we really are. We ask God now in this building, in this place, that by your power of your spirit, Lord, that you would be revealing to us any compromises, any places, Lord, that when we look in that mirror, we see sin, that we would not turn away and forget, but that, Lord, we bring it to you and be cleansed and walk in joy and hope and peace with you. Thank you, Lord, for that. And if there be anyone here who does not currently know Christ or perhaps feel that you were a Christian but actually are feeling like you are not and feeling like you're deceived, believe in your heart. Pray this prayer with me, Lord Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, enter into me, my heart, by your Spirit. Empower me, baptize me, Lord, to live for you. I give my life to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to take communion. And uh, just reading from 1 Corinthians 11. It says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup, cup, this cup of the Lord, in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let the man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So as you come up, as we begin our songs and enter in a time of, of response and worship to the Lord, be examining your heart.
and just bring everything to him. He loves you. He's not going to turn you away. Just confess whatever's going on. Remember his broken body and the blood poured out for you and the hope you have him in him in liberty. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can email us at info at May the Lord bless your week and guide your steps.